Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you all again. It's been a while since I've preached, so yeah, lovely to be back. Um, Yeah, so today we're in the last chapter of Ruth, which has been about a six-week series. So um, I hope to sum up... um, the whole book for you today and to give you a conclusion um, that hopefully is meaningful for you. Awesome. So last week we read the scene of Ruth where Ruth proposes to Boaz. As Mark mentioned last week, we're left on a bit of a cliffhanger. Boaz responds well to the marriage proposal, but he suggests something that maybe Ruth and Naomi didn't consider. That it's actually a nearer redeemer that is in line, um, closer to them than Boaz actually is. So we're left on this hanger of what is Boaz going to do? Is he going to let Ruth go to this man who we don't know anything about? Or is he going to fight for her and save the day? Sounds a bit like a dramatic blurb on the back of a romance novel, doesn't it? How are the star-crossed lovers ever going to be together? It made me think of Katniss Everdeen and Peter Malark in The Hunger Games, if you've ever got around to watching that. It seems like at every twist and turn, there's something opposed to them being together, whether it's the president or whether they nearly die on multiple occasions or they're separated with great distance between them. It seems like you're left on a cliffhanger wondering what is going to happen to them. And also, at times in the movie, it feels like Katniss and Peter's life rests in the hands of other people. It might be a bit of a dramatic question, but have you ever felt that your life rested in the hands of someone else? I hope it's not as extreme as in The Hunger Games, but maybe on a more realistic scale. Whether a wife trusts her husband to give up her career her own financial income for a few years to raise children, thinking if they divorce, she'll be on her own and have to start from scratch. Or a child not even being aware of how much they depend on their parent, depend on their parent to make good decisions on their behalf. The whole existence depends on their next meal. Or if you are elderly and your children ask you to move to a nursing home, you're trusting that your whole life, your property, your estate, um, everything is entrusted to the care of your children. Perhaps when you see a job interview, you're there hoping that this will be a yes or a no and the fate of your career is resting in this person you've only just met. As we read chapter four today, I feel like Ruth is caught in this balance. She's caught in this not knowing this dependence on someone else for her whole life. She is depending on Boaz to make a right decision for her. This is quite a big chapter today, so if you do have your phone or something, you can look at the Bible. We'll be in Ruth chapter 4 today. In this first section, we see Boaz negotiating with the elders and this near relative that we hear about. We don't know where Naomi and Ruth are, And I assume that they're somewhere stressing in the background there, out of their mind, what is going to happen to us? And so we read in verse 1. 
Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to you, to your attention, and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here, and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. Immediately he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you will also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. So we can see here, Boaz wants the best for Ruth and Naomi. He wants to marry Ruth, so he is calculating this whole proposal. You can see he's presenting the good side, Naomi's property, that'll be really good for your investment. The man is interested and says yes. And then he throws in, you'll also have Ruth the Moabite. Which in that time, accepting a Moabite would have been treacherous. And he continues, at this the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because it might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Verse 7. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to be final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to another. This was a method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. So here we have that whole situation almost resolved in an instant, which is quite dramatic for this man to change like that over some extra information that he's gained from Boaz. And things work out in Boaz's favour. And you think, I thought that this scene kind of doesn't really... There's tension, but it's resolved very quickly. And I thought maybe this is interesting because maybe it isn't quite a big deal as we thought the fact that this happened so easily, the fact that this decision um, worked in Boaz's favour as if it, by a God coincidence, you might say, Mark, that this was just just an off comment that things worked out in Boaz's favour and with only a few verses attributed to it as well. In verse 9, then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian and Malion. Sorry, Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are my witnesses. So at this point we see the conclusion of Boaz's loyal character. He's a man of integrity and he has chosen to accept Ruth knowing her true character and he is not afraid that she is a Moabite for he knows who she really is and he's willing to do 
an unlikely thing for a person he sees value in and for a person that God sees value in as well. Compared to the new redeemer who dismissed Ruth, Boaz makes every effort to ensure that she is safe and well and looked after. In verse 11, Then the elders and all the people at the gate, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who, built, who together built up the name of the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrath and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. There's a lot of big names there that they're dropping in this little section. But I can see the elders are blessing Boaz with his decision. They're blessing him and hoping that this marriage union will be beautiful thing and will glorify God, as these young women did as well, Rachel and Leah, and the family, be like the family of Perez. So I'll keep reading. I know there's a big chapter today, <laughs> verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. Then he made love to her and the Lord enabled her to conceive. She gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who has today not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman said, that living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed, and he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Following this section is a short genealogy that ends the book. So there you are. That is the end of Ruth, Ruth chapter 4. It comes to this conclusion of Ruth and Boaz being united and having a son, Obed. And the community again blesses this boy that he would be remembered throughout all the land. It's interesting that God is never mentioned in the book of Ruth right up until this point. In verse 13 where he said, The Lord enabled them to have this son. So in the whole book of Ruth, this is the only line, the only thing attributed to God. Isn't that very interesting compared to other books in the Bible where God is the main character? We could look at this book as a romantic novel and see that it all worked out and that they all lived happily ever after. Ruth and Naomi have a house now, they've got an estate, they've got a baby boy their whole life from when they, we counted them in the first of the book is completely different now. Happily ever after. We could leave it there. But I just don't think I'm satisfied with just that. And I think it comes down to how we think God works in our lives. The theology of how we see God at work. If everything is predestined by God, which is one extreme thought, we have no say in the matter. If everything is predestined by God, where we live has already been chosen, when we were born has already been chosen, our career has already been chosen, down to the finite detail, everything has been predetermined by God. And our job is simply to submit to God at every turn. 
Or some may believe that the human free will is prioritised and God simply bends to what we do in life. You might look at the story of Abraham who's bargaining with God. Will you save this city if there's one righteous person? Or Jesus himself when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying, Lord, take this cup from me. So these are the two extreme camps that you could um, be in. That God predestines everything and we bow to him. Or that we determine everything and God bows to us. Perhaps that's something for you to consider and think, at what spectrum do you land in your understanding of how God works in your life? But as I think about this, what I see in the book of Ruth that we've just studied for a long time I think for me this story is way too intricate at the same time that it is way too grand just to be attributed to a few good decisions by a few humans. But at the same time it seems like the characters act in autonomy and that there is no God directing their every decision. So perhaps we have to be comfortable with the tension that God is at work in our lives and we are equally at work in his big scheme of things as well. It's interesting in Psalm 121, they describe God as a God who never sleeps. So is God at work in your life constantly? It says, he will not allow your foot to slip, your protector will not slumber. Behold, the protector of Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So is God at work in your life constantly or only partially? But at the end of the day, I think we can see in the book of Ruth that God has been the background character, that he has been orchestrating everything. And I particularly find assurance of this in that Ruth is the great grandmother of King David and ultimately that means she is an ancestor of Jesus. To think of a woman out in Moab who would get swept up in this big story, how could that possibly happen? She could not have orchestrated that, I don't think. So can we say perhaps when we trust God and when we're wanting to trust him, we get swept up in his redemptive story. But what happens if we don't? And I think we can look at the characters of Orpah and the near relative. These are the two characters who choose not to... um, Orpah chooses not to follow Naomi and therefore chooses not to follow God and experience um, anything in Bethlehem. And we also see this near redeemer who literally isn't named. We don't hear any more about Orpah and we don't hear any more about this near redeemer. So I kind of read that and I was thinking, wow, isn't that fascinating? These two characters become forgotten and nameless. They are nobodies in comparison to Boaz, Ruth, and Naomi. 
Not to say that if you don't follow God, you won't be famous. There are plenty of celebrities who don't follow God and are famous. But rather, what I notice is that Orpah and the near Redeemer are nobodies in God's redemptive story. They are forgotten and they are nameless. But Boaz and Ruth, who were chosen and who follow God, are swept up in the redemptive story and become great-grandparents of King David and ancestors of Jesus. Romans 8.28 And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And to ask you the question at the start, have you ever felt like your life depends on someone else or it rests in the hands of someone else? For me, I find comfort in thinking that God has proven himself here and that there's no better person to entrust your life to. To share a bit of um, my story to you, um, some of you may know that I had a keen interest in film um, so for me, that was a big thing in my life. In high school, I spent every lunchtime in the film room editing, um, filming. I was definitely a nerd. Um, I was just invested in this um, dream I had of um, creating films, of being a director. Um, and I felt like it was definitely a big part of my life and I felt like I wanted to go there and I was going to make it happen. So I got into uni at QUT, just across the road, and I got there and my first day was shocking. I cried, I cried so much, <laughs> because it just wasn't what my dream was. It was so competitive. Um, the culture of the industry was so shocking, and I was only fresh 18. Um, and I felt literally crushed that this dream that I thought was something that God had given me um, wasn't working out. Um, so I, I only took six months there and I was searching and feeling like, was angry at God as well, like Naomi. You promised, I felt I was saying to God, you promised me this, you've given me this talent, why is it not working out? Why are you not letting me use it? So I dropped out of that degree and really didn't like film for a long time. I was so angry that this dream was being crushed in me. Um, so I've taken a few years off, but that desire has always still been in me as well. It wasn't until recently when I talked to Peter Devadarson um, out in the courtyard, like a few weeks ago, and... I think I was realising that I was still angry at God for that dream not happening, for ending up in a different place that I never would have thought I would have ended up in. To cut a long story short, I think the big lesson I learnt was this is not where I thought I would be, but I feel God's blessing in where I am now. And I see that in Ruth, that she probably never thought she would be where she is. And she probably had other dreams for her life. But she, I see that faith of entrusting her life to God. And she ended up in a place 
where God would provide for her, where she would have a husband, where she would have a life and a future. So the song we'll sing now is The Goodness of God. Um, I love this song because it was very meaningful for me over the past few years of whenever I've doubted um, and been angry at God that my life hasn't turned out the way I wanted it to. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath I am able and I will sing of the goodness of God. So I don't know where you are in your stage of life at the moment, whether you're in a big transition season where um, so much is in the air, you don't feel like you're grounded or stable. Maybe there's a job coming up, maybe you're applying for uni, maybe you've just moved into state, maybe there's so much shifting and changing. Can I suggest to you that God is a person who you can entrust your life to? And if you find that hard to believe, I think you can take a little step of just being, God, show me that I can trust you. I pray that maybe you could read the book of Ruth again with a different lens of now seeing the whole story and seeing that God is a faithful God and he works behind the scenes and he loves you and will care for your whole life. So as we sing this song, Maybe just think to yourself, wrestle with God, ask for his peace in this situation. And do you feel like perhaps like Naomi, after she's been through all of this, she can sing of the goodness of God? I'll pray. Lord, thank you so much that you don't leave us guessing or questioning who you are, God. Lord, we go through things in life that turn, turn everything upside down, God. We have dreams, we have a career, we have an idea of how we want things to pan out, God. And Lord, I ask that you would comfort us today, God, and that we can trust your love and your, your leadership and your guidance in our life, God, that There's no one else we would want to entrust our life to, Lord. As Ruth gave up everything to just try out this new life with Naomi, Lord, she did not know, nor could she comprehend the blessing that would come to her, God. So pray, Father, that we would choose to follow you, Lord, and somehow we would be swept up in your redemptive plan as well, God. That we would choose your way for our life, and that you would use us to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.